Welcome to Point Your Toes, the Adventures of an NYC Dance Teacher. I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. And I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. This podcast is all about the adventures that Danielle and I have as dance teachers and choreographers living here in New York City. We'll be sharing our experiences and all the ridiculous and hilarious truths. With that being said, let's get into today's topic. Reopening. So like most of the country, the conversation about schools reopening is vastly approaching. Um, I'm originally from the South, and that is, like I said, the school year would typically start in August. So this is a very real conversation for a lot of the country, actually, not just the South. Um, You know, it is typically just the Northeast United States around New York and so forth that doesn't go back to school till after Labor Day. So we thought we'd talk about what some of the good, the bad, and helpful tips um, when it comes to reopening and social distancing while teaching. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that this is super important because like you said, I mean, besides pretty much the Northeast, every other state goes back to school sometime between the beginning and the end of August. Yep. Um, and consider that you and I, the majority of what we do is, or at least a good chunk of what we do is in school teaching. Um, I thought this would be a great thing to talk about. I also want to frame this as we go into it that we're going to try to be like super um, unbiased and just talk about like things that we have seen, ideas we have seen. What are some like great ideas and ways that you can that you can teach in person or not teach in person? And then at the end of the episode, we can kind of have our own personal opinions on how we're feeling currently. Um, but we'll kind of start with just like, you know, what what does it mean to reopen and what is that going to look like? And so the I think the first thing we should kind of start with it when it comes to reopening is kind of like a cleaning of everything. And for us in school systems per se, like we're kind of used to like everything being clean when we first arrive after the new year, you know, because they, they do deep clean a lot of our schools during the summer. Or, you know, there is a week or two of downtime yeah. in between summer camps ending and summer programs and the start of school for just school to be the school to be cleaned and, you know, sanitized and things like that. Yeah. And I will say that, like, whenever I ever walked into, like, a studio on day one or a school on day one, like, they are always spotless. Like, it is very clear that they are clean, clean, clean. And so I think a big part of reopening is just doing that normal kind of routine of, like, cleaning and scrubbing and dusting out things that, you know, have sat for a while. I also think it's, you know, the conversation about how to consistently clean throughout our teaching time frames or how to, you know, daily mm-hmm. clean, daily cleaning, sometimes hourly cleanings, you know. Yeah. Um, what, yeah, what could a teacher do, right? Like, do I have enough time in between classes? Or if I don't, say I have two or three classes back to back, even after the those two or three classes, like get those Clorox wipes out and wipe down, you know, my desk, the doorknobs, the, all the absolutely. things. Um, you know, I'll say like the great thing about teaching dance in a classroom and a studio is that you're really not touching anything unless you're working with props, right? So like, thankfully, like we're not picking up pens and pencils. We're not touching scissors, notebooks, like any of that. Right. So I will say that like off the bat, we are blessed 
lucky to be in a subject where we could kind of just keep our hands and our, you know, our bodies to ourselves, as I always tell my kids. Oh, yeah. And, like, I know a thing for me that, like, collectively I've just kind of uh, seen a couple classes and things about is, like, and this was even kind of before I would do this in my class during cold and flu season. It's, like, we would just have a box of, like, the, a roll or the tube, I guess what it's called, of Clorox wipes there and you like hand yes. sanitizer like, yep. they would just be out in general so like for me I would wipe down the bars all the time regardless just because I'm like yeah. it's cold and flu season let's keep it down and something is or you know yeah. and like my students I remember the first time I kind of set up my little sanitation station my students were like oh my god can I grab one I really want to wipe down something and I'm like absolutely you know and like after the kids yeah. kind of got used to you and the parents were like oh my god I'll totally you know donate a thing of Clorox wipes so you never run out so like I had a stack of them in the corner and so we continuously just kind of yeah. wipe down the bars because it's like that that was the one thing that we were consistently touching um in the class and, yeah and so, I was gonna, sorry sorry I was just gonna say when you said like hand sanitizer like I always have like on my desk, I always have tissues and hand sanitizer, and I make it very clear. I'm like, if you ask me to use a tissue for any reason, use the tissue, and then you do hand sanitizer after. And I usually during cold and flu season, if a kid goes to and they come back, like grab some hand sanitizer. So I think that, like, honestly, if you work in a school, these are probably things you've already like. Exactly. When I just said, you you already do because you work with kids, and we know how kids eat. And where their, especially little kids, where their body parts go. Um, so I think like continuing these practices are just like the number one, the first step to ensuring that like this is super important that we just, that's our baseline, right? Our baseline is like you always use the hand sanitizer, you mm. always use a bar or something or a prop or something you use after you touch it. Always, always, always. And so another um, kind of switching gears, we'll come back to the physical space again. But I kind of want to talk about, like, scheduling when it comes to reopening. So we are all used to this, and we often prefer this because of the circumstances that we're in, is that usually classes are loaded back to back to back to back to back. But several practices that I've started to see um, in studios and spaces that have opened up or are beginning to opening up is the rescheduling of... um, of different um classes so like let's say you know instead of having a full two hour you know a full hour class that there's a three minute changeover and then there's another hour class you know it really is like you have an hour class and then there's a full 10 minutes in between classes and something i've always done because teaching in in new york in new york uh, schools and often some studios like there's often more than one door in and out of the classroom so, like, I've always had an entrance door and an exit door, and that's mostly just because, like, right. f- for my own simplification is, you know, I'm saying goodbye to them, and I can get, especially, like, my high school kids, I can, like, kick them out of one door while the other kids are coming out the other door. And so it's one of those things of, like, having five minutes between classes may not be enough in particular studios. You might have to put two, uh, not two, ten minutes in between classes or longer just for, you can wipe everything down, you can sanitize the room if you so want, but also just so that kids are not on top of each other as they transition in and out, or that your changing rooms aren't overloaded. Um, yeah. That's a really Absolutely. good practice I mean, I've that, enjoyed. And I didn't even realize been, I was doing it prior. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've definitely like always 
we've had classes back to back, including this past year. And a lot of the times, you know, especially with like younger kids, it takes some time to line up. And mm-hmm. then there's literally like one class coming in, one class leaving, and they could like physically touch each other. And something that my boss has actually already shared with me is like one thing we're going to do is um, is give that extra time in between special classes, right? So in between like PE or science or yeah. art or dance, right? Because the idea is to keep the kids for the majority of the day in one space, right? So that way they're not kind of interacting with a lot of other people. And so for me, they'd come to my room and then I would I would be able to have a minimum of 15 minutes. And I think we're looking at, you know, trying to look at a little bit longer to be able to exactly what you said, like quickly wipe down every day, mm-hmm. spray some, you know, sanitizing air freshener thing, which I'm sure exists. Um, and just have a few minutes, right, where, like, there, there's just, like, breathing room in between classes. Um, and I think, like, we're going to see a lot more schedules look like that. I think that means that probably at studios, less classes are going to be offered um, or, or shorter classes. Shorter, I, what I honestly see is, is not, I've, is shorter classes, which is, can be good or bad, depending on, you know, mm-hmm. what level or age that they're in. Um yep. But I think I, again, we've talked about this overworking kind of overzealous kind of nature of the industry in it anyway. So I don't particularly see, you know, for a few months, you know, having shorter classes or, you know, adjusting time so that cl- the classes that you may take fewer classes, but they're more beneficial. You know, I would much prefer that yeah. than, you know, absolutely. I, I think if anything, we've had let's learn something from this COVID times and not just completely go back without seeing that we haven't learned anything. That's how I yeah. feel. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. This, something else that I, my, my school is considering is the shorter, shorter classes. And I think mm-hmm. part of that is to allow for the more time in between. But for me, like you just said, it's good or bad depending on the level and the age. And when I teach younger kids, specifically kindergarten, I'm like, give me a 30 minute class. Absolutely. There's, there's a lot more we're able to accomplish in a 30-minute class where I can go, 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 go because we only have 30 minutes versus 45 minutes. And anyone who's taught little kids knows that that extra 15 minutes for a five, six-year-old makes the world of a difference in their attention span. You know, yeah. And then on the reverse of it, like sometimes with my older kids, the second we get like finally in tuned with each other, class is over. So I think... But oftentimes when we do have shorter classes for a, a myriad of reasons, like we kind of, they kind of focus in right away and we don't have, they don't give me all that silly goofiness because they know we have such a short time to this that we kind of get into the nitty gritty. So I, again, I don't want to, to me, shorter client classes is not always a negative. Um, getting yeah, into I our mean, next uh, kind of. And it's going to depend, it's, Yeah. Um, I, was I was just gonna say go it, 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 de- it depends on sorry it depends on um what you're teaching mm-hmm. where you're teaching how yep. you are as a teacher right shorter does not mean you can't get anything done by any oh not at all <laughs> not at all um me and danielle have shared numerous stories about not having enough time to choreograph and yet still making it happen so like not at all Um, The next point that I kind of want to get into kind of going back to the physical space again is, and this is not new for anyone that has taught younger kids, but spatial squares, like 
having you know a taped out square on the floor where you can only go X on a thing. This is not new to me in no. For ballet, one, we we would use the squares to learn quasi and like learning learning the facing. Oh yes. So like yes, that's it's easy to say turn this way. Oh yeah, like we literally put north south north east north west. Like we would put we would tape out squares and label them with the points. So like we learned that to learn our facings in ballet. So like it was never. This is not new to some of my students yeah. having to go in and tape and space because I would do it every. Yeah. When would I would teach them facing? Eh, my middle school kids would learn it like in the spring, but like when they know for the weeks that we were doing that, sometimes months depending on how it went, the you come in, you go to your square because I would literally address them in certain positions yeah. in the room. Um, and granted, when you're doing this and there's your kids in class, you can tape out and each individual person has a larger taped out square on the floor, yeah. but. To, to so, me, this is a total positive. <laughs> yes. Well, so I was going to say, I have actually always done squares. Um, as Once I started teaching in a school setting versus a studio, mm-hmm. I have always done squares. Specifically, again, specifically for younger kids, the squares are amazing. Because you oh, really yeah. have to teach about spatial awareness, right? And how to, how to make movement big and movement small, right? And how to talk about um, how you stand on a stage and all of this stuff. The squares are really, um, really, really incredible. I've always taught with a square, right? And, it, and, and the kids do listen, right? The little kids, like, especially little kids, they're like, yes, yeah, like, this is my square. Nobody else goes in it. It's mm-hmm. my spot. They know Absolutely. where it is. They go right to it. Uh, as someone who's always done it, the squares are a non-issue. Kids like having their own personal space. And I think that the biggest thing is like, okay, so the squares are great. I would say that when I had kids in squares next to each other, there was still always at least two feet in between body and body. When I would say sit in the middle, there'd still be two feet between one body and another. So now something that I'm thinking about doing and most likely going to do if we go in person is I also as a quick side note already know that my classes are about to be split up and have really small classes Mm -hmm. but I'm thinking of doing okay so instead of one person per square it's one I'm still going to tape out the entire floor in 30 squares but I'll say you know okay it's one person every two squares or every three squares but having I think the biggest thing is you don't have to take out your whole floor. You can measure it out yourself and just have like islands of squares. But I think if you have the whole floor taped out and the kids, it's easy for the kids to see, okay, there's always has to be three squares in between me and Johnny. And like the thing that I'm thinking about, and this is, like I said, this is, I'm totally for taping out floors. Cause I do this literally with middle school, high school, and maybe like even a college also, young professional group. If you do it, if you've never done it on your stage for a show, it will save you so, so much time to tape out your stage the way that your studio floor is taped Absolutely. out. Those kids feel so much better. Um, well, but that goes back to, so I've used squares with when I'm teaching jumps or leaps. So like, yeah, I even, it's like, like, um, the big thing is like you got to get from your square to your square. Like I, it's something that I go up that it usually mm-hmm. jumps and leaps for everyone, but usually like in music theater or even ballet, it's about eating up the stage. So a lot of times I really do teach like traveling and getting further. Um, and so that yeah. is where 
so like having multiple squares on the floor is literally like you got to jump from one square to the other square get in the air yeah. so i've done that before like i've oh used... my god leaps having to jump over certain squares or spots yep. on the floor for leaps we these are things that we use all the time all the and time and i'm not gonna be new. very honest i think i think as as certain schools or states or districts or whatever go in person or as we continue to roll out in person i think that if you work in a school with a movement a theater or a dance teacher and you're a homeroom teacher ask their advice i understand you have desks i understand you have tables i understand it's a little bit different and they're going to touch things but honestly like we are the professionals who work in staging 24 7 let us help you very, very We are true. the ones who are trained in viewpoints in college. Oh my god. Let yes. me help you. Also, I'm like, am I about to teach am I about to teach viewpoints this year to a bunch of like seven year olds at this point? Why not? We're gonna get into that because there's a whole I have a whole thing about that. But um yeah, so like squares has been something we've always done. You can do circles, you can do whatever shapes, but like the taping out of the floor in my classrooms, it's always been a thing I've used even for like traveling. I think of like my tap class where they were learning paradiddles and I would make them paradiddle from one square to the next square. And you know, that's a tap dancers, you know, that's a billion paradiddles, but it's just training their feet. So literally I, I, these are practices that even if we were not in COVID times, I found useful uses for. So in these times, I don't, again, I don't want, this is not a minus to me. It's a plus. It's just reinforcing skills and spacing and things like that. Um, and also, like, from someone that has been in musicals, learning perfect spacing matters, you know? So is this, yeah. it is a skill that will translate later in their careers if their children are truly pursuing this. Um, and I just think that, like, instead of harping on the negatives of going back in person, how are we going to make this work? What do we do? I think, like, what you just said, Tony, is, like, think about all the positives that we can mm-hmm. continue to in reinforce in the teaching of dance and theater and movement and what that looks like we can use covid as an experiment to go deeper into these subjects and it just helps to really i think it's like a time to really recognize like why those skills are super important when it comes to theater dance movement music and all of that and so that brings us perfectly into kind of what is broadly again no official statement has been made for new york um individual schools have start creating plans but like new york does not start school until after labor day so, so we are very far from our start right date. so this is this is the new york guidelines currently because i've actually gotten a lot of friends asking questions from out of state and be like oh my god though like are you going to reach those numbers your numbers are so high so first off i just want to say congratulations to new york because you're one of the lowest states in the country yeah. we're killing it don't screw it up Right. Um, so what was announced? What was announced last week was that beginning the week of August first, Governor Cuomo and his team of the, the the he he created this team that includes doctors, scientists, you know, medical professionals, public health officials, educators, superintendents, principals. Right? He created this team. They've been working together during a while, during Mm -hmm. the week of August 1st, with guidance off of what the team says, he will give 
regions, New York is broken up into like a bunch of regions right now. Mm-hmm. He will give regions the green light for in-person or not. Now, here is here are all of the catches. Region as a whole must be 5% or lower on a 14-day rolling average. Currently, New York City's region 14-day rolling average is, I think, about like 1.2 or 3, okay? You need to be 5% or lower. Right now, New York City is at like 1.2 or something. Um, um, it's the week, it's starting the week of August 1st that these decisions are made because by August 7th, that will, that will have meant that New York City has been in phase four for two whole weeks. You have to be in phase four for 14 days. You, that's it. From there, you are allowed to stay in person until your region hits 9%. If your region hits 9%, we have a really big fucking problem, okay? So the goals never get there. Again, kids are not in school right now, but there is a lot of stuff open. New York City is in phase four. We're, we're, we're looking at about 1.2 on our, on our rolling average. So we're doing pretty fucking good, okay? So that's the state guideline. Those are the numbers. These are the numbers. They are hard numbers. Mm-hmm. You hit 9%, your region, your region hits 9%. Everyone goes remote until that number is back below five on a 14-day rolling average, okay? Due to this number. From there. Sorry, keep going, keep going. Yeah, I was going to say, from there, your district, now this could be your public district, your charter network, your, or if you're a private school, honestly, probably just your school because you're private. Or mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll any schools in New York doing a thing. I'm not really sure about that. Have to set up measures and guidelines for if you get the green light. It is not. Let me be clear. It is not. You get the green light. There's 35 kids in a classroom again. You do what you normally do. That is absolutely not allowed to happen mm-hmm. in New York State. I don't know about other states. I know New York State. That's a big no-no. Schools have had all summer to submit plans to the state. Those plans have to get the green light. I know that for my school, for my charter network, our plans are split classes. We usually have two teachers in every homeroom. Instead of two teachers in every homeroom, you get one teacher. Instead of um, 20 kids in a classroom, it's now 10. I am really lucky that my school is very small. So we're talking 10 kids tops in a class. We're also having shorter school days we're knocking off a little bit from the morning we're knocking off a little bit from the end there's no reason for you to be in school this long we need more time for cleaning right Mm -hmm. and then we're having things like the dance thing right instead of back-to-back classes there's a period in between maybe classes are a little bit shorter to to um to minimize the amount of time that people are coming and going from shared spaces um there's also points on like temperature checks will be involved, what happens when somebody tests positive in the building, that's also a separate measure. So those are the things that are set in place for New York State as a whole. So in it's a the, lot. It is a lot, but necessary. And with me yes. and I me being in public schools and the based off of science. Mind you, based right. off of right. science and numbers. In the public schools, okay. it is this go. The public schools have been for us has been like, what did your school and your principal submit 
to the state for approval. Mm -hmm. Um, And kind of the big thing that one of my schools that I teach at, we are an international school. So we do have a lot of students that are new to this country um, and may or be here on their own, maybe with, you know, extended family here or maybe the only English speaking. So they can't completely be back in school. Um, And we're also talking high school kids here for this particular school. So they are, we, all of our plans have been a half and half. And we'll get to our personal feelings at the end of the episode. But when it comes yeah. to half and half learning, what it is is that, and we've still not, we're still logisticsing what works best and what gets approved, where is half your schooling will be online, half your schooling will be remotely, uh, certain subject. Like, we're in the part, we're trying to figure out what subjects will be remote, what subjects will be in person. Mm-hmm. If that's everyone, if it will be, you know, you have math online Monday, Tuesday, but Wednesday, Thursday, it's all in person or we're working out that logistics. But one of the big things we've seen is half and half. And I've seen some great positive things coming from this from a lot of artists. And then I've seen a lot of artists very negative about it. And I think it boils down to their, they're just kind of overwhelmed. And so I kind of want to take this time to like talk about the, the benefits of this. Um, we as dance teachers normally, and most art teachers, teachers in the arts, we don't have time to really dig deep into the the history or the the knowledge behind some of the subjects that we teach, really until college, you know, or specialty programs. So like me and Daniel can tell you, I will create a lesson plan all about viewpoints, which is the acting style based in movement that dancers typically love. I love viewpoints, love Anne Bogey, all about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anne Bogart, uh, I love it. Um, also love Uta Hagen. Like there are several acting styles that you know mesh well with the dancers and what have you. Um, I I don't typically have time over the course of a school year where I'm supposed to pump out shows and you know fi- like the physical and the learning por- and the the learning portion behind it, the non physical portion. I often don't have time for. So what something that I kind of started yeah. previously when we were teaching remotely and going forward is that if we're in person great we're going to start a topic but it's going to continue online you know like I know for me before we left out I was doing we were purely remote we were doing music videos from across the world and talking about hip-hop and different parts of the world so I would continue that being like hey assignment number four where we're looking at African hip-hop is up online. There's videos you can watch. Here are all these resources that I don't normally have time to talk about. When we're in person, we're just dancing. We're getting to it. I'm not going to talk about it much, or I might make references to it. But like when, you know, on our remote days, you will see me talk about it and break it down. You know, I think this is that chance for us to have those deep conversations when you are remote and when you are online and you're worried about lag, you don't always have to dance. You literally could take time to discuss these subjects and topics that we don't normally get a chance a chance to. Yeah, I actually completely agree. And originally when Mike was talking about do we do the, the half and half the part-time, that was actually something that came to my mind as well. As I was like, I'm not opposed to the idea because I was like, I can exactly what you said when we're in the classroom we hit the ground running, we're working mm-hmm. on technique, we're working on choreography. When we're remote, I can give out worksheets to, to do, I can give out articles to read, videos to watch, or I can literally do like kind of like a lecture and talk at them because 
again, like you said, you and I have talked about this, like you and I are really big into teaching dance as a whole, as mm-hmm. a full rounded subject, not just the dance steps. And we don't really get the time to do that. And also Never. in all honesty, in a lot of schools, like if, if I'm teaching, you know, if I'm showing a video one day and then having the kids talk about it, if someone from you know, management walks by that doesn't know me or doesn't work in my school. Sometimes they're like, oh my God, what are you doing? You're taking the easy way out because they don't know. And it takes a lot of explaining them and it's a whole thing. And I think that like, I mean, especially with older kids, as the kids get a little bit older, like they're, again, instead of looking at the negatives of what's happening, the positives of like, oh my God, we could do so much more now. And then when you're in person, those kids are so stoked to actually dance. That there's no nobody's wasting anyone's time. Oh yeah, I'm um, sorry. I was thinking about this where we talked about like ad- administrations walking by, and like wanting you to dance. I remember like we w- we had just seen. I had just taken my kids to see. It was either Alvin Ailey or Parsons. It was Parsons, and there was this. Actually, I think Danielle went with me. There was this bug number where they're dressed as bugs and they for oh, the yes. first number. The kids absolutely loved it, and we like I, we had told them I was like we'll discuss this in class when we get back the next day, and so like even in the hallway prior to that day, all the kids were like, I want to talk about the bug dance. I want to talk about the bug dance. Mm-hmm. So that was all I was hearing from my kids. I was like, great, today's gonna be an easy day. We'll talk about it. Maybe we'll, you know, usually I try to do we'll do our warm up, then we'll discuss stuff. So like they know they'll get a good stretch in, and we discuss. One of my APs come by and he goes, hey, we've got people in the building that like fund some of our programs. We really want to see your kids dancing. So I'm immediately like, if they walk, she was like, no, we, not that we want to see your kids dancing. We're stopping by your classroom to see them dance. And in my head, I'm like, so like this whole discussion day is gutted because like they want to see us up and moving, not laying in stretches, talking about, you know, this great dance show we saw the day before. So, like, I don't, again, I think you can't just kind of dig into the negative on this. It's just, like, we now have a chance to expose them to this stuff that we don't normally have time to or we're forced out of, you know? Um, Yeah, I think that, yeah, I just think that, like, looking at the positives, the half and half could bring on some awesome learning. uh, Absolutely. And also, it's one of those things of, like, I kind of, it's going further into like the half and half or just like smaller class sizes, I know is a thing that like is an adjustment for a, a lot of us. Um, or I shouldn't say a lot of us, some of us. Some of us are at smaller studios and schools where like small class sizes are the norm. And then some of us are at mega studios where we're used to 30 kids dancing all at one time. I, me and Danielle can tell you, we both taught at both. We both choreographed for both small and large groups. This is one of those moments where I would challenge dancers and choreographers to to get creative, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, and the one I'll give freely to everyone, I love doing one solo, ten people. So it's literally like you teach mm-hmm. the same solo to everyone, and then you have certain sections that are improv or certain sections where it's mm-hmm. completely changed for that individual person, you know? It's one of, like, or, you know, we kind of build a solo together with everyone. So you can do it in one class at one time inside of our individual squares, you know. This might mm-hmm. be the time where, you know, you work on chair choreography. Or, you know, yes. you do choreography You do choreography where 
what is it called? I can't think of the name of it, but it's like you lay on the floor and you can't, you can only raise certain parts of your body at a time. So it's oh, like your head is glued to the floor. So your whole dance has to be with your head connected to the floor. You know, yeah, I feel like see, I started yeah. learning that in contact improv, but I'm not sure. But like, yeah, I agree. So it's, it's one of those things of like, now is the time for us to get creative and find again, instead of just being like, this is not what I'm used to, this is not what I want, so we hang our heads against the wall, I think this is time to get creative, because, like, for me, I know there's going to be a chairography day, because you never have time to teach it, the do's and don'ts, the, yeah. like, the good, the bad of, like, doing chair choreography, I, why waste this time? Because if we do chairography, yeah. you come in, you wipe down your chair from top to bottom, you stay in your square, <laughs> you know? Yep. So we're in I, all of our safety guidelines. I just, yeah, I mean, that's why I wanted to do this episode was because, on you know, like we said, we'll talk about our personal opinions at the end, but instead of harping on all of the bad and the stress, and, like, there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of scary and a lot of unknown, and, like, you know, like, okay, I feel good with all of this stuff set in place, but what does happen if someone gets sick, right? Like, there's so many questions, and a lot of it is going to be as we continue to go, but being open to the idea of, like, we actually have the ability to be more creative now and have more freedom in what we teach because everyone's also backed off a little bit like I know at my school my principal's like do what you need to do we're not talking about grades like we're right. not like no more are we stressed about test scores we are about keeping the kids safe thank you keeping them happy and giving them something to do so what work, do you do when you're not stressed about test about. scores like yes. dig into that creativity because something uh, another big topic I kind of wanted us to dive into as we we're discussing is like location-based dancing. So like yep. we do not have yes, to be I, confined I to, to the classroom anymore because something that's happening, I mean, it's, it's summer in New York. So like a lot of uh, classes are being held in parking lots and park. Like I watched an amazing hip hop class the other day, just in, it was in like, it's in one of those fenced in uh, basketball courts, Oh, sad. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And so, like, they literally, it was a giant, they had, I don't know where they found a giant boombox. It might have been a Bluetooth boombox. I don't know. It was weird. But it was, like, a giant boombox. And they are, like, when I mean, it was a great uh, intermixed, it was hip-hop, but it was hip-hop jazz. Um, it was a very intermixed group. So, you know, like, it was, like, a, a, like the across the floors or across the concrete or whatever would be one or two, you know, it would be three at a time. But you would see, like, the little kids go, and then you see, you know, like, the adults gone that are, like, putting in work, and then the little kids trying to mimic them. So, like, watching that class with them, literally, unconcrete, everyone's in sneakers, you know, a couple people are wearing masks, some are like, I can't, I don't want to wear a mask, but, like, they're in an open space, and they're spread out, so that the teacher in the group was not concerned as a whole, you know, but, like, watching them just dance outside was nice. I saw uh, someone else working on a duet like on a bench so it was two people uh that there were a couple so they had been quarantined together but like they were working on this whole duet on a bench and so like for me i know that i'm because we're in new york there are always stairs if uh in the musical sound of music um do re mi is often done on the steps of the von trapp's house in the musical I would very much love to do some step choreography where we're all spread apart, but we're kind of moving and switching on the stairs. Like there are numerous, yeah, like things that we've Again, all studied in college. So, right, the things that we actually studied in college, like and did, and 
there's actually so many cool, exactly like, so like so many cool ideas mm-hmm. that you could really do using different parts of rooms or outside. Um, and I also want to say like kudos to all of these like classes and choreographers who are taking their classes outside because again, if you are maintaining six feet or more apart and you're outside, you don't need the mask, right? If you're on the basketball court in the fence and you have a group of people who are all six feet or more away from each other and not moving from that space, you don't have to have the mask on, right? You're not touching anyone. Mm-hmm. You're more than six feet away. Nobody's walking near you. And I just think like, again, the ability to do things outside of what we usually do are awesome. I can practice yep. dancing in different shoes. I can practice using different parts of the environment for dances. I think as a choreographer, yeah, now I'm super interested in going back to my colleges and doing chair dances oh, huh, and yes. doing dances on the stairs. And, you know, I, I just doing a dance in the park, right? A bench dance. Like, there are a lot of really cool things you could do. Like, already in my head, I'm like, I could have two dancers doing a bench dance where they, they never connect, right? They're always almost like chasing after each other on the bench. Maybe they were masked for that, but they're always like, they can never get close enough. That's the whole concept of the dance. They can never be together. Mm-hmm. Done. I have this awesome idea. They don't need to touch each other. Or I'm thinking of one. There's, it comes from a Chris Brown and Jordan Sparks music video, uh, No Air, where they're both like at a window, like dancing with each other. So I don't know where I'm getting this giant window from, but if I could have a window that separates people and dancers on either side, what does that dance look like? Right. Like, mirror game something simple with elementary school kids where you don't touch anything but you're all following the same person like there is i don't know just to me i go i have definitely had my days where i'm like dance will never be the same and i get overly dramatic and fall on my cushion on the floor absolutely and there'll be be more of those but i'm just like also there's a part of me oh yeah oh yeah but there's also just a part of me that's literally like now is that time to dig into those aspects and parts that we never get to talk about. You know, because like with all, a lot of the stuff being digital and remotely, let's talk about camera angles. Let's talk about uh, dancing for yeah. music videos and stuff with that. Like I was um, looking at a lovely interview with a brilliant dancer. Oh my God, I'm forgetting her name. But she talked about how now is the time for... Um, uh, she talked about like dancing in her first music video when she first got to LA and she talked about, you know, she like, I looked gorgeous on the outside, but she's like, in reality, my costume's too small. I'm duct taped into certain parts. So I look a certain way. And she was like going into all of those things that like are never talked about when you take a commercial hip hop class or not, I guess contemporary, but like, she's like, when you're dancing for a music video, they don't talk about the swollen ankles, you know, that you get like, Mm -hmm. now's the time to talk about that. And she even held, I need to go back and find her information if I can, but she held like a beginner's heels class where like the camera was just like at her knees down. And it talked about little exercises you can do around your house or translating ballet exercises into exercises for heels. And I'm just like, this is such a creative thing that, like, you don't need to touch anyone to do this, you know? Like, you can still learn about all of these things and not and not have to do such grandiose things. Um, or another big thing mm-hmm. is, is interviews. A lot of dancers, professional and otherwise, are, again, with their phones, ready to sit down with a camera. So, like... I say reach out to some of your favorite dancers and be like, hey, my kids are, you know, disappointed. And, like, 
I would love if you could just sit down with us for five minutes and tell us some of your favorite stories from tour, you know, or some of your favorite stories dancing on this television show or just dancing for this artist, you know, or training under this choreographer. Like little things like that are what's going to keep revitalizing our community and make this not feel so traumatic for a lot of our students, you know, and our kids as they continue to kind of understand what this field is. And I think like that's the biggest thing that you that you touch on. How do we make this not as scary and traumatizing to our kids, no matter if they are five years old or younger, or if they're eight? We need to be the anchors in this situation. It can be very scary and traumatizing to us as oh, well, yeah. especially based upon your own personal situation. But I think if if we can be like, hey, you guys. Instead of being scared, we have this awesome opportunity to do dance a different way, to learn about things a different way, to talk about dances and ideas, to to look at what what is viewpoints. I never get to teach kids kids viewpoints. Honestly, I can make viewpoints a game. You have to make sure that you never go X amount of feet from this person. Mm-hmm. Kids would eat that up, eat that up, right? So the opportunity to really like delve into all these creative outlets and make it fun for kids, so kids are excited to be like. I feel safe in Miss Calandro's class. I feel comfortable and I'm excited to go to class because we're going to have fun and they don't have to worry about what's going on for at least, you know, 30, 45 X minutes are so important. Or like, sorry, I'm just kind of on this artistic role of the minute. I think of like shadow dancing and like how dancing in silhouettes. So you don't need to see the person. You just need a light and space to do that. Uh, I also think of just, um, what is it called? Uh, like uh, Brady Bunch, Hollywood Squares. What does it mean to dance inside of that literal box and then edit those videos together or things like that? You're like, there, there's just so much room and space for creativity in this moment that like if people dive in, like it's it's there for them if they just choose to dive in. Like the space and energy is there. You just have to, wa- you have to want it. And I know that it can feel very um, hard at times to find that wellspring of energy but if you do have it pass it to another you know try to share some of those good days or those good moments with us but I think to me and this kind of definitely starts verging in on my opinion I think we as artists are often the backbone or the spirit of the places that we are in and I think when we get when we get creative and we come up with cool ideas and and ways to kind of express ourselves and we pass it on to others, that is what we do art for, you know. So the idea that I can teach a whole class where everyone is within safety guidelines and they leave happy and have moved, I can't see parents being upset about that. And that's regardless of if yeah. even if we're remotely, you know. If we're remotely and we yeah. come up with, you know, such great ideas, again, you can do viewpoints with me, look, me sitting and you and the camera moving, you know, especially talking about things like mm-hmm. texture and things like that, or even spatial distancing yeah. in a room, you must be five feet away from the light pole, you, you know, the light switch, you know, things, yeah. little things like that can easily be translated into viable options for teaching completely remotely, teaching half remotely, you know, yeah. the, the conversation yeah. doesn't have to stop. You know? No, and I think that if you are open to teaching a little bit differently and focusing on different things maybe you haven't before, then we really have the ability to, to, to create comfortable spaces, whether remote or person, for these kids to feel like we are in school and we are moving. Um, 
And I think like with remote, like remote's hard, right? It's really, really hard. Yes. But again, I think if we start, I get it. In the fall, nobody had time to plan. Nobody really knew what was happening. I mean, in the spring. I think that if we have, if we really look at the different creative ways now for the fall, chair dances, more stuff about watching videos and talking to kids about dance and dancers and choreographers and themes and ideas and history. Um, you know, uh, just how to dance in a certain confined space, how to make your space bigger, how to use props from home. What could that look like, right? I think that props. there are still a lot of good things that even if we go to teach remote, if we just take a minute to think outside of the box, we can create an awesome experience for kids and for ourselves as teachers because God only knows that when I have a good class, I feel like I'm on cloud nine for the rest oh, of the yeah. day. You made such a good point about props. When do we ever have time to teach dancers how to use props on stage? Never. But also, also, <laughs> when do I have, when do when does my school have the budget to provide me with actual props? Never. Exactly. Um, like see, when I just, I'm thinking of like. Me for me to be like. Uh, no. I was just going to say for me to, if I'm teaching remotely, to say, like, everyone go grab a book. Everyone's got some sort of a book in their right. home. Right. We're going to use a book as a prop today. We're going to learn how to dance with it in our hand. How, oh, my God, don't drop your prop. Oh, remember where your prop is, right? Or, Stuff that or I cups. wouldn't focus on in, in a cup. Exactly. Or cups. There's always a dining room scene or, like, a cheer scene in every musical that it feels like. When do we have time to be, like, cheers and to dance, like... Never. Uh -huh. We never have the time to teach these type of things in a classroom. So, like, where, where like, I, again, to me, I'm like, oh, my God, I've really never, never had time to teach someone how to use a cup on stage, you know, and dance with a cup. Yeah. Like, how easy or how now we have that time that, again, if we're just remotely, we could, like, we can teach you how to do that. Or I also think of, like, finger tutting and hand tutting. Right. Like there again, I think mm -hmm. you don't let the space between this time scare you. Let it empower you. You know, like I, uh, also perfect. feel free to yeah. take any of the ideas that we've talked about and discussed and dig deeper in them. Right. If you have more ideas, feel free to reach out to us and, and share them honestly, with your friends. Because some of these ideas are just now, as you and I are talking to me, just coming to me off the top of my oh, head. Oh, absolutely. So like, I would be more than happy to welcome, like, if listeners if you have ideas please, please please like dm us email us like whatever you know if you're a teacher and you're or a dancer and you're like i want to do that class please take it because this needs to be the community of sharing of exploring and again i think we we focus on what we can do and and if we focus on that like i'm a big believer in like energetic power and the universe and oh, like yeah. what you focus on is what comes to light. If I focus on all the awesome things I can do, whether remote or in person, I'm going to do those awesome things and it's just going to make the world a better place, right? If I focus on the scary, that's what I live in and, and nobody wants to live in that, right? Mm -hmm. And so we're at the part now where we kind of have to discuss or we should at least our personal opinions on like the opening and closing of schools. So for me, uh, so currently, which you guys might hear some sound issues as we work this out, I'm in Georgia visiting my family, and my sister is a teacher, and she also has two children under a very small age. Um, 
Uh, we have two and a five-year-old. So two-year-old's definitely not going anywhere, but the five-year-old should... And he is not five. He definitely just turned seven. I'm a horrible uncle. Um, but, like, cool. And so the conversation about, like, going to school remotely and going to school, you know, half and half or demanding one over the other, like, it, it's, it's a very complicated answer because, like, my sister teaches high school and she's coming home to two very young children on top of, you know, my parents are immune compromised. So if something happens, that could escalate very quickly for us personally. And me, myself, I am a dance teacher, you know, at one school I'm consistent at, but there are several other schools that I go to on the regular. So like, I'm very, I, I'm half and half. Like a part of me is like, absolutely, if everyone's going to be safe, let's do it. And then another part of me is like, nope, stay remotely. And then honestly, for me, it's a school by school basis. There are some schools that I go in that I know if we put in safety guidelines, they would be followed to a T and I would feel safe and secure because of who runs that school. And then there are other schools where I'm like, we can't get y'all to walk in a line down the halls. There is no way I'm going to trust that administration to, to force, it's not force, but to adhere to safety guidelines you know, with rambunctious children or like the behavior in the school is kind of too wild that I don't think they would stay six feet apart, you know, like, so I don't think for me, it feels like an individual case by case basis that I'm going to have to make these decisions on. So I am not, I don't want to hear for one, I don't want to hear from people that's not teachers, (laughs) you know, just because like you all too often, I feel like people that are not teachers have opinions about teachers and mm-hmm. you're not the one that has to live with it. You know, we, this conversation yeah. has come up for us teachers. This ain't the first time we teachers have had this conversation. We've had it before when it came to gun control and gun violence in our schools. Yep. You know, like, I don't yep. like trigger statements of being like, do I choose my life or my students? Like, so this is not a new conversation for us teachers to have. It's new for all of you guys over there. But us teachers, it's not a new conversation mm-hmm. at all. Um, I agree. So something I shared with Tony before, and I've talked with some some educator friends a lot about recently, is like my frustration with um, specifically people on social media um, or who are using social media outlets to who people who are not in a classroom or a studio full time, and specifically a classroom, and people who do not have children of their own constantly blowing up their social media with articles to which it's very clear they haven't read the article they've only looked at the headline or memes or some crazy statistic from some site that's not like um fact-checked or like legitimate mm-hmm. about why kids should or should not go back to school and i i'm also extremely frustrated and upset by people who again do not work in education and do not have kids telling me that I'm a bad person for wanting to go back. So that's been um, really hard. And I think that if, if you don't work in a studio full time, if you don't work in a school full time or even part time, please just like gives us some grace. And, yes. and um, we are the ones that are in there every day. We are the ones that are living it. So if I say I'm comfortable with a situation or not comfortable with the situation, it's because I have actually read, fact-checked, talked to my supervisors, looked at the professionals and all of that. Mm-hmm. Now, for me personally, do I feel, how do I feel about going back? 
couple of things. One, I think that Cuomo has done an incredible job with New York State. I think mm-hmm. that his idea of getting together a panel of experts to talk about what are numbers, what are the medical scientific numbers that make it okay, according to scientists, public health officials, educators, for kids to go back to school, um, that's really good. Because I looked at that as like, wow, people put in the time, they've done the math, they've looked at the statistics, they've looked at other countries, this is what's deemed okay, and this is when it's not okay. That makes me feel good. Also makes me feel good, New York City's in an incredible position right now. We've done a great job. Mm-hmm. All the things, like you said, Tony, the school you work for, where like, you know that it's always safe, everyone's always a professional, they take things very seriously. I feel lucky enough that that is my personal school right now. We are actually moving into a brand new building in the fall. Nobody's ever been in there. So I know it's super clean. And I also know that I work with a staff who is super diligent about keeping things safe and clean and Mm -hmm. following the health guidelines. Um, So with all of that said and set into place, yes, if the numbers still look as low as they do today, I feel good about going back. Good meaning I feel like I am being looked out for and taken seriously and kept Mm -hmm. safe in my work environment. I cannot say that's true for every school in New York, and I definitely can't say it's true for every school in the country. Me personally, at my school personally, I feel safe with everything right now. Absolutely. Um, So that's my opinion, but I definitely... um, you know, I'm, I'm very open to like, if we have to go remote, what could I do? You know, this conversation between you and I today has even got me thinking more about what are some other like cool ideas I could send. Um, and I just want to say, like, like I said before, like, please, 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 like any teachers, you know, not just dance teachers or theater teachers, but also like grade level teachers, principals, assistant principals, coaches, all those people who work in the education sector degree, like, give us some grace and I actually want to share um an old friend of mine that I grew up with she works in education as a counselor currently at a school in New York City and she posted something on Instagram today that I just want to read and I'll make the short version but she basically said all leaders are tired one more person asked me if they're opening the fall I'm going to collapse we love our kids like fucking crazy, and we want to be with them in the building. Our work is 20 times harder remote than in person. It is hard remote. We love our students. We love their families. We love ourselves. We love our families. We are allowed to value education and their health and safety above all else. Please be kind to educators in your life. Do not explain to them what should happen in the fall. Do not lecture them on what school should look like. It is more disrespectful than you know. Please send them love, compassion, and support. And I I had reached out to her, and I was like, that's putting it so perfectly and eloquently, and that's how I've been feeling, because I feel good today. We'll see what happens tomorrow. We'll see what happens right. in the fall. Of course, I want everything to continue to be good, but just, like, give us some grace. And also, like, again, if you hear me say, I feel okay to go back in September, Please do not lash out at me. There is a reason I'm saying I feel okay about it. It has been researched. It's not me just blindly saying that. And also, it's just, it kind of, yeah, like I said, it goes back to my point of, like, we work in schools every day. Like, we know what that environment is like, and we know what is feasible and what is not feasible. And, like, Mm -hmm. 
I, and it's it's one of those things of like even as a parent that like comes to the school quite often it's not the same when you're there like we know what that building is like 24 7 you know so like for an entire school year so we know we simply just know what's feasible and what's not feasible versus someone that you know is there to pick up their child every day or you know in my world some adults that never step foot in their school you know their children's school so i leave it to the professionals i that has always been my response for this entire COVID times is leave it to the professionals, leave it to the people that, that know this, study this, spend their days with this. Um, teachers have, we have it hard. And again, remote can be beautiful. It can be fun. I think it can be very creative, but it can also be very challenging, you know? Um, so I don't, again, give, give everyone the space they need to be human in this kind of times. Okay. Well, that's it for us. The curtain has closed on this episode, but we hope that you will join us next week. And every week after that. Episodes come out every Thursday. You can find us on your favorite podcast apps. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We are Point PYT on all platforms. I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. And I'm your co-host, Neal Colangelo. See you next week on Point Your Toes, the adventures of the NYC dance teacher.